0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today.
1: All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
2: Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden.
3: Welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host Kelly Sullivan Walden, aka Dr. Dream, here on Unity Online Radio the place to be if you want to feel your connection to the unity of life and to the oneness and we do that really in our dreams so and from a dreaming perspective it's so good i think it's a, a really healthy and healing thing to do the number to call is if you have a question about your dreams, is 816-251-3555. Again, 816-251-3555. We have a very, very special show for you today. Nancy T is going to join me in just a moment. We've got Dr. Michael Nordoff, or Nadorf, I should say. Dr. Yeah. Michael Nadorf. He's an associate professor of psychology at Mississippi State University, researching the association between sleep difficulties, particularly nightmares, and suicide. So, if you have ever contemplated suicide, or you know somebody who has, or you suspect um they might be contemplating it. This the show is for you and the numbers are staggering. Um you're gonna wanna listen to this. So we're gonna do a quick little prayer, a quick little Nancy's gonna read the Luminous Humanist Thought for the Day so we can get right into all the wisdom that Dr. Michael um Nadorf has to say. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's just take a breath. Let's take a breath and turn within, take a big deep breath. Let go of anything that you're holding on to in this moment that you don't need to figure out. Just allow the exhale to be a releasing and a letting go of as much as possible. So after this, let's open up to receive the sunlight of the spirit or whatever you want to call it, whatever feels like the good vibes that surround this universe, this the brightness, the light at the end of the tunnel, the that high place that you've you've connected with in consciousness when you've been in love or when you've had a really good day, when you've broken through, there's that awareness that's always there. We can always tap into it by our memory or simply by our willingness or deep desire to find it. So let's just breathe it in right now. Let's fill up with it. And let the remainder of this show be a deepening into that space, into that place that I like to call luminous humanness. So on that note, I just say thank you so much for being with us. And thank you so much for my wonderful guests. And Nancy T., thank you for you. And thank you for your reading of the luminous humanness thought for the day. So take it away, Nancy.
4: All right. For April 7th, everybody, here we go. It's called The Bearable Lightness of Being. When you come upon a person who is so wonderful that they blow your circuits or an opportunity so incredible you fear it might be too good to be true or you bump into an unexpected windfall of blessings, just breathe and allow yourself to melt into its embrace. Though you may be temporarily blinded by the light, know that you are becoming acclimated and strengthened so that you will be able to bear this level of high-vibe living And the affirmation is, as I develop my spiritual stamina, this heavenly state will one day
3: be my baseline. Yeah. Nancy, God, you rocked that one. You hit that one out of the park. Thank you so much. And I just want to remind everyone that tomorrow is the big day for the launch of Luminous Humanness. And we have, if you buy a book, you get over $500 worth of additional bonus gifts for free on that, on tomorrow, tomorrow only. And if you buy five books, you get over $1,800 worth of bonus gifts for you and for your family and friends. So if you want to be not just the only one that's lighting up in life, you want to have a circle of people that can join you there. That's that's why I encourage you to buy a few more books so that you're not out on your own in the light and everyone's like, hey, what are you doing out there? And you're starting to feel guilty, so you come right back. Nope, you want to have everybody as you are lifted. You want everyone to be lifted. Okay,
4: mm-hmm.
3: on that note... The International Association for the Study of Dreams, that's the IASD, the website is asdreams.org. It's a wonderful association for all kinds of people who are in the dreaming field, whether they're in psychology or psychiatry, or they're a shaman or they're an artist, or they're just someone who has. They're an accountant, but they happen to have vivid dreams that is an area of passion or interest. Every year, there's a big event that brings people from all over the world, and normally it's an in-person event where there's a dream ball, and there's a dream art show, and there's so much. I get so much juice from going to this conference every year, or every year that I can, and it's been wild because COVID, we weren't able to do it virtually in, in person. So it became a virtual event this year. It's also going to be virtual after this, I imagine it will open up and be in person. But Dr. Michael Nadorf is going to be one of the keynote speakers at this event. And as I've researched him, I understand why his topic is just so timely. I mean, it's always timely, but more now than, than ever after having spent a year in quarantine, so many people are more depressed than ever. And unfortunately the numbers of, of people not sleeping well, and even taking their own lives has gone up. I want to just say this. I, years ago, in my mid 20s i had i i wanted to kill myself i actually have had a couple of times that i contemplated how i would do it when i just felt like i didn't want to be here anymore and obviously i didn't go through with it i but i there was a breakthrough and i i sought help i got i i asked for help i reached out and i'd never thought about it before until today and having michael Dr. Michael Nadorf on the show that there was there might have been a correlation between my nightmares and between me not getting a good night's sleep. So I know um I'm I'm wondering how many of you can relate to this. So without further ado, let me just let's just bring on Dr. Michael Nadorf. Thank you so much for joining us on, on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited
5: to be here.
3: Mm. Thank you so much. Well, before we get into your the wisdom that you have to unpack, just give us a little bit of background, if you would be so kind, as to what inspired you to take on this area of study.
1: Yeah, it's it's really an interesting story because in, the, in ways it was accidental, but it's really a blessing the way it happened. And that I went to grad school with the focus of studying suicide and learning more about how to prevent suicide. And in doing that, I started working in a behavioral sleep medicine clinic. And it was more focused on insomnia than anything. But actually, my very first client um, was an engineer who was forced into early retirement in his mid-40s. His sleep was that bad. And after treatment, he was able to go back to work. And I thought, you know, this is literally life-changing, and there has to be some association between sleep and suicide. So I got looking at the literature, and, you know, there was a little bit on nightmares, not a lot. and But most of those studies hadn't um, accounted for things like post-traumatic stress or anxiety or other risk factors. So I thought, I genuinely believed, even though I, you know, scientifically predicted they would be important.
5: I didn't
1: really believe that, you know, I wanted to do the study to try to show, no, you know, they're not that important, this is wrong. And so I I did the study and lo and behold, even when we accounted for depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, nightmares were still significantly associated with suicide risk, independent of those other factors. And that mm. just, you know, blew my mind. And so after that, I really started working on trying to understand why nightmares are associated. And I, I did that for the better part of a decade until one of my colleagues just pulled me aside at a conference and said, it doesn't really matter why they're associated. You, you just need to treat them. <laughs> so we've been oh. pivoting and looking more at nightmare treatments now too um so it's been a really interesting journey where I, I never meant to go into dreams and into nightmares um it's ironic because the program I trained at is very behavioral you know, it, it, mm. none of this is covered um but I, I just kept following my my research findings and Study after study, they kept proving to be really important.
3: Wow, thank you and um, so what did you find is one of the best treatments for nightmares so this is this is like recurring nightmares, probably not just one off nightmares but um okay. nightmares that that plague people, yes Um
1: the The treatment that's most recommended right now um, is a treatment called imagery rehearsal therapy, mm-hmm. where I always give the preface that it sounds too simple. It sounds too easy, but it actually mm-hmm. works really well and there's a strong literature on it, despite it being simple. But what you do is you take the nightmare that you wanna change And you change any aspect of it. You change who's in it. You change the setting. Change anything because you can add superpowers. It's a dream. You know, anything Mm -hmm. you can do in a dream, you can build in. But you make it into a dream that you really want to have. And then you practice that new dream about twice a day, about five to ten minutes each time, just doing visual imagery. And usually one of two things will happen. Either you'll... Um, start having that new dream or you'll stop having the nightmare. And it's really cool. And, you know, there are some examples I can give as well.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, Give us at least one. I'd love to hear one of yours. That'd be great. So one that
1: always comes to mind, uh, one of my favorites was um, I was seeing a military veteran whose job was to drive the bus onto the battlefield, pick up the soldiers and bring them back. And he always had this dream that he was driving the bus, he was full of soldiers, and the sun was starting to set, and he had this feeling of dread come over him because he knew that's when really bad things happened. Mm-hmm. And so I said, Okay, change it any way you want. So he thought about it for a minute and then he said, you know, Instead of driving the bus, I wanted to be my minivan. I want my kids in the back. And, you know, instead of, I wanted to go to the park. And, you know, one of my greatest regrets was that my dad died before my kids were born. I want my dad to be there. And I want him to be able to meet my kids and see them play. So I said, okay, let, let's try it. So then the next session, I I go out to get him from the waiting room, and he's just in tears in the waiting room. And I'm still a trainee at this point. So I'm just going through my head, like, what did I do wrong? How did I break Mm. this guy? And I I call him back, and and we talked about it. I'm like, what happened? And he said, I started having that new dream. And it was just so meaningful to me to have that experience. And I thought, how cool is that?
3: Wow. Wow that's incredible that's incredible wow how how gratifying that must have been and he and the other dream kind of went away he didn't report yeah, having it again exactly and um you know it's
1: It actually reminds me of something from your website and we looked at each other's websites and (laughs) uh, I'm going to probably mess up the quote because I'm doing it from memory, but I really wanted to bring it up, which I believe you have something on there that says that a nightmare is an unfinished dream. Mm -hmm. And it's really true. And, you know, I think one of the things we're learning with nightmares is they're not all bad. You know, like right after a trauma, I think that they really are the body's, you know, own self-exposure mechanism to heal itself. But what happens is that we get into a cycle where we we jump out of the dream and we never get to the conclusion. Right. And when that happens, we can just get stuck, where you know we just keep going back to that same dream because we've never been able to move past it.
3: Mm. Right. Exactly. We make an assumption that, that this is just how it will be. And we don't have any power over this. And, and then it's kind of done unto us as we believe. If we think that this is coming to hurt us, to harm us, to haunt us, then that's how it is. But if we know it's unfinished and what's on the other side of it is, is some gold for us, then, then that's, then it's done unto us as we believe. You just need a little nudge sometimes.
1: That, that powerlessness is really impactful, I think, and you know one of the things that people don't talk about enough with nightmares. But a- again, thinking of of your background with um, your training in hypnotherapy, you know, you mm-hmm. know the importance of the the subconscious, and yeah. there they are just things that we do, you know, often without even knowing or being aware of it. And one that I see time and time again is those with really bad nightmares will actively avoid falling asleep to try to prevent having the nightmare because they feel like that's the only control they have.
3: Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, and that only exacerbates the problem.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Mm. Nancy, I can feel you've got something percolating there. Do you want to?
4: Yeah, it's just it's interesting. I mean, you're both bringing up the great point that it does change if you do something, you know, in your waking life where you reap where you finish the dream, you can make it better. And I had that experience for years. Um, Kelly knows that when I was young, I was I was bit by a dog, but it was more of like I was an at- I was attacked by a dog and bit,
0: yeah, um, yeah and attacked. it was
4: pretty traumatic for me. And I was just so afraid and so afraid of dogs for many years. But throughout the years, the only dreams I had that were bad were about dro- dogs biting me and chasing me and doing things, you know, just awful nightmares. And um, I later ended up being an MC for a show. It was a dog show and these dogs would come, they'd have to come running. I had to dress up like I was a male person oh, God. And in, in that outfit <laughs> and have a dog, a huge dog running at me. Like it was going to attack me. That was the part. Can you imagine? But um, talk about facing your fears. And once I got to the point, by the time I was done with that summer, working with all of these dogs, I was able to kneel down next to one a huge dog with its face near mine and Brush his hair and you know and rub him and be kind. I broke through that. I never had the dream again. I never did. And yeah. So in real life, I had the experience, the actual experience. But just wow. even just imagining it, as you both describe, it is truly helpful. I mean, I've seen it in real life. I just wanted to share that with the people in case they're listening, because you know, you change it in in the real world, and and then you're. Dreams can be more peaceful and And
3: vice versa. Most people won't get a chance to MC a show that relates (laughs) to their biggest fear. Thank God. But in a way, if they don't have that experience, then they at least can do it. Everybody can do it from wherever they are. They have an imagination, right, Michael?
5: Absolutely.
3: Mm. So I want to, I, you know, I like this show to be uplifting, um, but I feel like it's important to address some of the more grisly facts of what's been going on, especially in the last year with COVID. And so that we can just, I mean, I think sometimes half of the battle of solving a problem is is recognizing what the problem is. So what are some of the statistics? Um, I heard you say in an interview about more people die by suicide than car accidents. And um, mm-hmm. the numbers are just going up these lately, especially, can you tell us? some of the things we need to know.
1: Absolutely. So suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. And, you know, it, it's hard to get your mind around how many suicides happen because you're you're talking, depending on the year, about 47,000. But, yeah, you know, it's more than auto accident deaths. It's about twice as many as murders. It's a lot of deaths. And what's really startling with it is if you look over the last 10 years, it's up more than 20% over the last 10 years. So, you know, you can think of any other cause of death, you know, if it's in the top 10, if you have a 20% increase, you know, if we had a 20% increase in cancer, you know, there would be riots in the street that we got to do something about this. Yeah. Um, and there's getting to be more of an awareness with, with suicide, but there's also just still such a stigma about it. And, one of the challenges that I, I run into is that often, you know, people are so afraid to talk about it that we think it happens a lot less than it does. Right. And so I really appreciate that you mentioned, you know, having those thoughts. I mean, many of us mm. will. You know, looking mm-hmm. at the statistics we have, um, actually, it, in high school students, believe it or not, it's about a quarter of them have suicidal ideation over the course of a year and in college students, which is where I do a lot of my research, you're looking at 15 to 20%. So very, very Mm -hmm. high
3: rate. Ooh. And so, and I know that you, I heard you say something about um, sometimes with people with suicidal ideation, they can go from having kind of a heavy way of being to suddenly, being uplifted and people can say, oh, things are better, but mm. that might be actually when it's at its worst. Can you can you talk speak to that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. It's
3: anytime there's a sudden
1: change, you want the the question is always why? Especially if it's out of character for a person. So if you have someone that you know a friend or a family member that's been depressed for a long time, if their mood suddenly changes positively, you still want to ask why, even though it's positive, because what can happen is you can have someone who has all of these issues, all of these burdens, where they made that decision. You know, I'm going to end it all. I'm going to end up killing myself, and and they can feel very freed by then. They can, you know, feel very uplifted because they finally have the solution, you know, to these problems that they've been dealing with. So they can look on the surface very happy. But also, actually be at elevated risk, because you know it's just they've made that decision, and related to that, I often think you know with suicide one way it's simplistic, but one way I think about it is suicide is a failure of problem solving it's, right you know you right. you can't think of another solution, so you go for the ultimate one and and the sad thing is that. Uh, in almost every case, there's another solution. There's a better solution. But it's just right. the person can't see it.
4: Mm. Would, would you agree that people who tend to be suicidal are without hope? I just had this feeling lately that that was sort of, you know, when you get to the point where it's, they just don't have hope, whether it is to solve a problem or to get out of a situation or whatever, do you think that's sort of the the common link between people who do this?
1: Absolutely. It's one of the key ones. And, um, you know, there, there are different theories out there, but related to that, um, one of the leading ones is Thomas Joyner's interpersonal theory of suicide. And in that theory, there are two factors that relate to suicide risk. There's perceived burdensomeness, so feeling like your death is worth more than your life, that you're a burden on Ooh. others. Mm-hmm. And there's mm. also thwarted belongingness, which is a, basically a loneliness, a disconnectedness. But both of these can be associated with that hopelessness that you describe. And, you know, one of the things I love to mention with that is often people will think, well, what can I do? You know, I'm, I'm one person. Maybe I'm not a mental health provider. Anything that brings hope, any little thing can be really meaningful. And a study I like to cite is there was a study done about 20 years ago now where um, it was after discharge from a, a hospital. There were two groups. There's one group. There's gesture control. And another group, about a year after discharge, just had a caring letter in the in the mail from the hospital saying, you know, it's been a year. We hope you're doing well. If there's anything mm. you ever need, you know, let us know. And just getting that letter, no other intervention, just seeing that letter led to significantly lower suicide rates in the group that got it.
4: Wow. Yeah, like it's because somebody cared or they perceived someone cared. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Yeah. that's what happened when I when I helped that woman, I was telling I told Kelly about this many times she, she was going to jump off a ledge and I was there. And all I could think of was, you know, it would hurt, it would bother me, it would make me sad. If you did that, please don't And I begged her. And then she did bring her leg back over and was safe. I don't know, I didn't follow up with her. But in that moment, all I could think of was maybe she thinks no one loves her. And so I wanted her to know Mm -hmm. she would affect me. Even if it's just yeah. me, that's, that. Oh. That could, you know, that could speak to how, who knows how many people could be affected, but even just
3: me, who she barely knew. Well, it's kind um, of like playing on somebody's guilt a little bit. Like, yeah, it's real. Like you would really hurt me if you yeah. did this. I mean, is you know, For that's sure. kind of maybe a low blow, but, but, um, but Michael, Dr. Michael mm-hmm. Nadorf, um, I know that we' only have about a minute before we go to a, a quick break, and we're going to talk more about the solution on the other side. And also we're going to take your dreams. So I see you all lighting up the switchboard. So please hang in there to the other side of the break. We're going to have Dr. Michael Nadorf also weigh in on your dreams. Um, but I want to hear a little bit about Covid and how Covid has affected um suicide and not people having more increased nightmares and not getting good night's sleeps. Can you is that has it just made it worse? Surprisingly, um,
1: and actually it's, these are still raw data. They just came out with the, the um, you know, the preliminary data. It actually looks like suicide rates have gone down and there's a debate on whether or not that would happen. I actually thought they'd go up, but it, it's one of those where, you know, the theories that have been coming out on the suicide list or are that, you know, you often see kind of a coming together and a lower suicide rate when there's. Oh,
3: interesting. You know what? Unfortunately, we're together. going to a quick break. And um, so we're going to just yeah. put a little pin in that and, and have that be a little cliffhanger. We'll be right back on the other side of this break sure. with Dr. Michael Nadorf talking about sleep, nightmares, and suicide. We'll be right back.
1: We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio,
3: the voice of an awakening world.
2: Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden.
3: Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream show where we uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. And I'm your host, Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden. So grateful to be having this conversation today and bringing this important information to you. Um, we're speaking, Nancy T and I are speaking with Dr. Michael Nadorf. His website is suicidelab.com, suicidelab.com. And Dr. Michael Nadorf, should they reach out to you if they, what's the best like way to approach you? I mean, if they are having nightmares or, um, what, what would you say is the best, um, way that people can Mm -hmm. reach out to you and for what reasons?
1: Probably emails the best way and, you know, there are a lot of ways with nightmares to treat them and, you know, there's actually an app we can talk about that uh,
3: mm-hmm. my lab
1: has done some studies on and it looks promising. The what other is thing it? I've done is, you know, um, if you're already in therapy with someone, I can also consult with that person and, and I don't mm-hmm. charge for that. I do it because I like more people to know how to do this treatment. Wow. But going back to your question, the the app is actually called Dream EZ, so the letter E and the letter Z. Hmm. And it was developed by um, Department of Defense and the Veterans um, Hospital System. So it's free. It's Android and, and iOS. And um, what we did is uh, one of my students did a dissertation where we picked students who had um, – Clinically Significant Nightmares, broke them into two groups randomly. One group was just our wait list. The other group was, um, we just told them that the app existed and asked them to download it. We didn't do anything beyond just telling them it was there. And with that, enough people did it and got benefit from it. In a month, we actually saw a significant difference between the two groups on their Mm. nightmares.
3: Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so it's a free app, Dream Easy. Ooh, I'm gonna grab that myself. That's fantastic. Okay, so we've got some callers. Are you um open to I know we've got a lot that we wanna ask you, but let's see what we've got online. Yeah. Um let's see. We're gonna take Susie. Susie from Los Hello. Angeles. Hello. Hey, welcome to the show, Susie. And what, what do you have a question or something to share? I about do. With-
2: I first wanted to uh, resonate because um, I'm so deeply moved about uh, maybe a decade ago, I, I volunteered on a suicide hotline for about a year and um, learned enormous amounts. And I just wanted to say amen to the notion of a good night's sleep being key. We were trained to ask whoever it was, how long had it, had it been since they had a good night's sleep. And, you know, I would say, well, maybe go take a hot bath and go take some magnesium and what, get off the computer and et cetera. So that was uh, huge because it was um, uh, facing life's problems exhausted. I know pulls mm-hmm. way under. So um, And my question, oh, sorry, I heard somebody go. inhale. No, oh, okay. <laughs> My question is, um, to what extent, because we really noticed this, to what extent does it affect the body slash brain, mind, physiology, that if people are suppressing shadow pain, et cetera, with alcohol, with television, et cetera, and just kind of pass out instead of go to sleep. To oh, what extent question. does this maybe inform their nightmares?
3: Oh, that's not and
2: let alone the quality of their sleep.
3: Oh, that's sure. excellent question. Okay, Dr. Michael Nadorf, what do you have to say about that?
1: So one of the things that we see that's an association with nightmares is problems with emotion regulation. So what we see is the more trouble you have with regulating your emotions during the day, the more likely that's gonna come up and in your dreams and in your nightmares, because, you know, that's where you're trying to solve those problems that are better solved during the day. So absolutely. If you're doing things that are, you know, blunting or just delaying or postponing, you know, all that's going to come out somewhere. And we do see that increasingly with, with your dreams.
2: What about the actual, um, Uh, biochemical interaction of things like, you know, a gallon of ice cream as opposed to a bag of carrots (laughs) or, you know, um, uh, Mm. tea as opposed to a bottle of wine. Um, Mm. Does any of that physically, uh, you know, affect brain chemistry to the extent that it affects nightmares? Sure. Sure.
1: I'd say we don't know yet as far as nightmares, but, you know, we know that certainly there are the things that, you know, give us that brief dopamine rush that, you know, might just feel better in the moment. But, you know, the problem is that they don't last and, Mm-mm. you know, until that thing that's kind of weighing you down is gone. As soon as whatever it is that gives you that dopamine rush goes, then you're still at those lower levels. You need that pick me up that comes from, you know, Working through it and getting to the other side of it.
2: Right, right. right, And then not waking up hungover, uh, whether it's sugar <laughs> yeah. or whether it's exhaustion
3: or whatever, so that you can. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks thank for, you, Susie, uh, thanks for, for your my awesome questions. questions. Thank you so much. I know just from being in the laboratory of my own brain, I know if I if I have if I drink before I go to sleep, if I'm having I mean a nightcap, I I've, I've heard people say is it's such a misnomer. It's like, yeah, you get to, you get drowsy, but then it's kind of spikes your adrenaline and then there's like this roller coaster that you're on. So really hot tea is much better, would you say, <laughs> Dr. Michael Nador?
1: Absolutely. You know, and one of the things that we see with a lot of um, drugs like alcohol is they actually inhibit REM sleep. Yes. But oh. once you get past that effect, then you have that REM rebound where it's going to come back, you know,
3: m- with a just more
1: intensely. Yes, so exactly. You're just delaying the effects.
3: I wanted to just slip in here and we'll, we'll take a couple of callers in just a moment, but, um, Nancy T, you brought up the hope aspect and, and, um, Dr. Michael Nader, if you agreed that there, that people who have suicidal ideation are, have a sense of hopelessness and I can relate to that myself mm-hmm. from those couple of times, um that I've been near that place that I that I really wanted to go and that I actually started imagining how I would do it and and what I've come to think of is um my simple philosophy that has that works for me is I think of life this isn't that original Shakespeare made it up but there's three acts in life act 1 act 2 act 3 act 1 is our innocence where we're perfect and whole and complete and connected to everything Act two is when everything kind of falls apart or when there's some kind of a falling apart of of relationships or a family gets divorced or some trauma happens. And all of act two is about kind of compensating so that that doesn't happen again. And there's mask wearing, and I feel like that's where a lot of stress comes in. At the end of Act Two, there's usually the mask stops working, or at least in my experience, the mask stopped working, and I didn't know another way. It's like, okay, God, yeah. I've 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 compensated as best as I can, and that's not working. All right, I'm out. So the end of Act Two mm-hmm. seems to be the the suicide spot, at least in my unofficial um, laboratory, and. But what happened for me was instead of dying, falling on my knees and being like, uh-huh. st- having like an open, like a desire to like, God, if there's more here in spirit, whatever you are, if there's something more, you better come and meet me here. And that's the beginning of act yeah. three. And to me, that's what happened to me. There's like a spiritual opening and all of a sudden act three becomes the nature of kind of following, sort of like in that Indiana Jones movie, walking across that invisible bridge, what that doesn't relate to just compensating for previous pain, but kind of a walk in grace. And to me, I just put that out there to give hope to anybody who's feeling like they're getting they're near that at all. And um to know that there is an act three for you. You don't have to end your life at the end of Act Two. Michael, what do you think about that? Is that just yeah. crazy talk or how does that relate to you?
1: No, not at all. And and something that's unrelated but related to it. And I promise we'll swing back to it. But what it reminds me is a, another uh, suicide theory that I think fits well, which is fluid vulnerability model. Uh, which don't worry, there's not a test. But um, <laughs> Thank you. what this means is that suicide risk is very time limited. Usually, if you look, it's you it can be a matter of minutes. It can be an hour or two. But it's not a forever thing. And if you can just get the person through that crisis, you know, often they're okay on the other side. You know, they may still need to go to therapy and work things out, but it's getting the person through that time. Um, But, you know, just because you get to that dark point doesn't mean you're stuck there. I think so many people think that that means that, but it's, no, it's how do you get through this hour, these two hours? and. And certainly, you know, falling on your knees and just trying to find a way to get to that at three can be part of that, you know, getting hope of, you know, let me just see one more day, see what's there. And just try to get through those, you know, those hours or minutes. They're so trying.
3: And I would even say. There's the opportunity that even – this this is strange to say. It's kind of strange just like I say yay to nightmares because I know that they're revealing the possibility of a breakthrough. To me, the end of act two means in a way the end of B.S., and it means then opening i mean i i started writing i started becoming an author at the end of my act two beginning of act three and i've written 11 books at this point my life changed yeah. when i kind of was like if i'm going to if it's going to be worth staying on this planet then god spirit angels whoever whatever you are you better find me and i'm 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 asking i'm here so come and get me and i feel like in that desire that intense desire was this intense Joining, and it's not left me. And I feel like I've also done my part to to meet it halfway. And the writing, actually, we could say, is my attempt to keep that connection alive. And so I think we're given a breakthrough, like a breakdown precedes a breakthrough. So if somebody's feeling like they're near the end, it just might be the end of life as you've known it. And there might be something mm-hmm. much more rewarding on the other side if you can just hang out and don't give up five minutes before the miracle. Okay, that's enough of my soapbox. I want to hear more from you, Dr. Mm-hmm. Michael Nadorf. But let's take a caller and have you respond to them. This is Skip yeah. calling from Florida. So, Skip. Hi. Hi. Um, Hi. Can, can you, you hear do me? I have a question for Dr. Michael Nadorf. Yeah.
5: Well, it's. So much information. Um, I, I, it's not a dream that I have, but it feels like one. When oh. I was fifteen, my mother died. About a year later, my father committed suicide. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I have that reoccurring vision of the day the police officer knocked on the door, oh. and it's and it's been you know I've, this happened in '73. Wow. You know, so wow. it, it, and with this pandemic thing it 's given me a lot of time to you know rethink about a lot of stuff um, and go over it and and at one point during the during this whole past year you know i've started feeling uh angry about it because mm-hmm. you know why why would my father just leave me like that mm-hmm. um, and and then the the point that you brought up about drinking and, or, or drugs, whatever may be the, you know, situation, my father was self-medicating. And, and it was an era of the time when, you know, men didn't talk about their feelings and they didn't Mm -hmm. discuss Mm -hmm. it. And especially with their kids, you know, so, you know, it's, um, I've done well for myself and that, that hasn't, but, you know, I grew up without my father, without, well, my um, mother died yeah. because of the disease, but my father chose to leave. Yeah. And, um, and with you saying about the, you know, if you can get past the first couple hours, you know, yeah. it made me realize, you know, well, there, how serious the situation was. And if he had just had someone to talk to. Yeah. yeah. You know, he yeah, and thank you, Skip. I, I, I
3: thank you so much. Thank you for the topic. Oh Gosh, thank you so much for what you just shared. I'm so sorry about all of that, but thank you for, for thriving and for sticking with it. So Dr. Michael Nadorf, what do you have to say to Skip?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things I said off air, but I, it's something I mentioned is my grandmother died by suicide. That's why I do what I do. And so I, I know the impact that has on the family and yeah, and it's so challenging to get your your head around, and you know that's where I come back to that simplistic it's it's the failure of of problem solving. And I think everything you said is right. You know, when you're in a situation where you're struggling, but you can't voice that and you can't ask for help, it makes it really hard to work through whatever it is that you're struggling with. <laughs>
3: So to yeah. be able to 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 do what Skip is doing, even just right now, voicing it, saying I've been angry, yeah. and and sometimes even I think with with the pandemic, we we don't have all the things to distract us. We can't just get in, you know go go to a party or go get hugs from people. It's like we kind of have to yeah. sit still with the stuff that's restless. And good for you for expressing it so fluidly. And, and creating other options for yourself and having done well for yourself in spite of that. I, and I in some way, I just imagine that anybody who takes their life is at the end of act two, where they just don't feel like they have yeah. any options. They don't feel that they have any hope. And it's not, I mean, I understand that. I get it. And it's not. I mean, it's like, how does grace happen? I know that Scott Peck in his book, The Road Less Traveled, at the very end of that book, he talks about grace. How does some people have like a divine intervention and other people don't? What is, how do, how do we do that? We don't know. It's mysterious. All I know is I believe that if a person gets to the end of act two and they just, they sincerely ask for a breakthrough and they voice, they, they let themselves ask for help and then they wait. They just wait until the grace descends on them. Then I think they can get through it. Michael Nordoff, what do you think? Is there what is there another piece there? And also get a good night's sleep, and work through your nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Those are some yeah. behavioral things yeah. you
2: can do.
1: Yeah, no, I think the sleep is so important. You know, for many reasons. Just you know, obviously we don't think we're not thinking clearly without it, but. No, I, I think Kip, what you're doing is courageous with working through this and and spending yeah. the time to really, you know, process everything because it mm. is a lot to take in and it's it's really hard to get your head around. Um mm. but I, I think in doing so it, it can help you get to a place where, you know, there's there's more peace with it at least.
4: Absolutely. It, it- If I could just jump in real quick, doing all this energy work that I've been doing lately, this feels really strongly like this is a reverberation in you. So it's like this thing happened and then your, your body almost couldn't take it. So then it just keeps reverberating that same energy Mm -hmm. and you you're experiencing it. It's why you continue to experience it over. And, um, I, you know, I can't, speak for, you know, what you may do going forward, but there is, there are ways to release energy. And I hope that for you, um, and, and would be willing to help if you ever wanted to do a session with me to
3: reach out to Nancy, Nancy, nancytelzero.com And what's the best email for you, Nancy? Nancy T at com. Yeah. Nancy does an amazing thing called the body code and the emotion code that helps to release stuck energy. It's really amazing. Nancy's super gifted in that. So that's another thing. And also check out Michael Nadorf's website, suicidelab.com. So there's resources here as my Publicist friend Steve Allen says, Control your controllables. There's some things that we can do. Get a good night's sleep as best as you can. Work with imagery rehearsal therapy to work through your nightmares. Go to suicidelab.com. Download the Dream Easy app. Go to nancytelzer.com. All of these things and do what Skip's doing. Talk about it. Thank you, Skip. I love it. Thank We're you. Stilling. Thank you. All right, let's talk to Leilani. Leilani, thank you so much for calling in. Um, Do you have a question for us?
6: Hi, how are you today?
3: Good. Thank you for Good calling. Time. What's on your mind?
6: I just love this topic so much. I'm an avid dreamer. And uh, as a child, I had a lot of nightmares, very dysfunctional childhood. Mm-hmm. My father died when I was two and a half, and I think my mom basically died as well. Um, She was 26, my dad was 28, and then her mom, who was German, slapped her and said, Get over it, life's hard. So, no emotions, no expression, everything was Mm. held inside. And there's been a lot of death in my realm recently. A friend, her father, tried to make this succinct. She's the youngest of six girls. The oldest decided to take the father and his wife—not their mother—to a nursing home. She, the the wife was having dementia, mm. and didn't tell the other daughters. Mm. And he killed the wife and then shot himself. And this sister found found them. Oh, and my friend oh my is goodness. is devastated. She's the youngest. She was very close to her father. And and the detective said this is very common in the elderly in our country.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I also had God. another
6: friend. Her boyfriend committed suicide after not being able to heal a lot of his childhood wounds. And and here's what I've come to know: we're on an Earth school. There's soul contracts. Yeah, as a past life progression therapist.
3: Yeah. All of that it's is more
6: than what we can yeah. see with our human mind. eye, human eyes.
3: And Let's hear,
6: I believe yeah. in lucid dreaming. <laughs> so yeah. my last nightmare uh-huh. I had, it was kind of fascinating. If I could just share it, there was this shark and in a room and all my friends were around me. And I said, Oh, okay. My friends will protect me. And, and the shark bit my leg, and I was trapped, and I said, help me, help me, and none of my friends came. So I put my fingers up his nose and smacked him, and he
3: released. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow.
3: <laughs> That's so powerful. Yeah. So I'm hearing Nancy breathing over here because I know Nancy's got there's six girls in her family, her mother's the
4: youngest yeah, and she's
3: the youngest and her mom's in assisted living. And Michael Mm. Nordoff, um, we didn't talk, we haven't talked about elderly folks. Is there like, Mm -hmm. is, is there a different perspective, um, or some other guidance or information that you have for people who are dealing with aging parents? It's tough, you know, and and
1: actually my training's in geropsychology, so older adults are very close to my heart. And, you know, we do know that suicide is elevated in in late life, especially older adult white men. And Mm -hmm. one of the things we know is that so much of it is ability to adjust, especially with things like disability, where you're used to being able to take care of yourself and now you have to adjust to someone else taking care of you. And the more you're able to accept that and to use tools to enable you to keep living and not, you know, just sticking with what you can do on your own, the better the outcomes are. But there's, there's so many challenges with when we give up our autonomy. And, yeah. and that's hard for the kids, too, who often see the deficits and have to try to help the parents, you know, get where they need to be.
3: Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you, Leilani. So appreciate you calling in and that shark dream. That was so powerful. It's so wonderful that we can do something in our dreams to shift things. I want to take Denise. Denise, you've been so patient. Oh my goodness. I know we've got just a few minutes, but let's hear from you. What's on your heart today?
0: Well, I'm not going to do the dream because, you know, I'm, I'm a little spoiled and I like the attention of getting the dream analyzed. So I'm going to ask a question, uh, a question to the doctor. But I'll do okay. my dream next time. Can I do that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, um, I wanted to ask him, does he, I know he knows, because I one time thought that the brown and African-American people, mm. the suicide rate is less. Is that a mm-hmm. true statement?
1: Ooh, it's true, good but it's been increasing.
0: Are you serious?
1: It's been increasing. Yeah, it's. It's been increasing, actually, faster than the rate for other, um, like, faster than the Caucasian rate um, over the last several years.
3: Why do you attribute really? that to? Yes,
0: yeah, good question.
3: <laughs> thing. It's it's one of
1: those where we're still trying to figure it out. But, you know, one of the hypotheses in, in the past was, you know, one of the reasons the rates lower is because, you know, the, the household is so important in mm. In black and brown communities and, mm. and also church often helps hold hold those mm. communities together yes. and oh, don't yeah and i don 't know if those are are weaker, but i did I kind of have done the feeling that those may not be the glue that they used to be, but mm. I'll defer on whether or not that's true
0: oh interesting
1: and interesting quick
0: question um. I came out of the the prison world when I retired a couple years ago there was an increase in inmates but ironically the the increase in inmates was almost as equal to the
2: staff is there any Suicide? The inmates still suicide? Yeah And the staff suicide, oh my goodness
0: Yeah, and the staff The staff wasn't as high as the inmate but the staff level was going up as well That was about 3-5 to years ago do you well,
3: do any research on that at all? We have, we're wrapping the show up. Do you, is there, do you have like, actually, we're going to have to just send you to to his com And um, okay. Michael Nador, thank you so much. Is there, is there, do you have anything there? So if she goes to your website, she'll find something.
1: Yeah, just if you you'll find my email there, I'm happy to email you information, but I have many thoughts, but absolutely happy to talk more about it. And thank you so much for calling and being interested in this, important topic that's so close to my heart.
3: I want to make sure everybody goes to the IASD, go to asdreams.com to find out about more about um Dr. Michael Nadorf. He's going to be speaking at this upcoming conference in June. Go to asdreams.org to find out how you can listen to him and other speakers at the conference. Thank you so much Dr. Michael Nadorf. This has been riveting, so Thank important you for at this time. Me. Thank you everyone so much and until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.